0: Destiny McAllister is an author, wife, and mother of three. She has a passion for advocating for vulnerable youth and adoptees. One of the ways she has currently accomplished this is by publishing her childhood memoir, Set Free, which outlines her turbulent childhood and shows readers what children from trauma need in order to become thriving adults. Born into a family saturated with generational trauma, Destiny's case file with Child Protective Services began when she was only seven months old. In her own words and unique perspective, Destiny shares her vivid and detailed memories of her experience navigating child abuse, kinship care, foster care, and finding a future despite the broken pieces of her past. Through all the secrets, confusion, twists, and turns of her complex childhood, Destiny's story is one of hope for trauma survivors, and she is here to share with us her story and her message of hope. Let's take a listen. Hi, Destiny. How are you?
1: Hi, good. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm so happy to have you here today to talk to us and share with us all about your book, Set Free. Um, but there's some things that I think we should maybe go back and kind of talk about first before we get into the book and why you wrote this book. So first, I want to ask you, due to generational trauma in your birth family, your case file with Child Protective Services began when you were just seven months old. Can you tell us what you know as far as where you were moved to when Child Protective Services first got involved?
1: Yes. So I'll give a little bit of background information on that. So my biological mother had me when she was 18. Um, She married the man whom we thought for years was my biological father um, just a couple of months after she became pregnant with me. And then a few months after I was born, she left him. And when I was seven months old, she abandoned me with him and his family. So because of the condition that I was in, I was promptly taken to Children's Medical Hospital in which uh, family was told that I wasn't going to live. And I was diagnosed with failure to thrive, malnutrition, and a diaper rash that was so severe that it had turned into a staph infection and reached all the way up under my arms And doctors determined that it was every bit due to neglect. So since no one knew that the man listed on my birth certificate, father wasn't really my biological father. I was placed with his mother who was a nurse and I lived with her for six months before she placed me back with her son. Um, And then after that DHS continued to be involved off and on until I was about two years old due to reports of physical abuse. Um, and then, according to my DHS records, I was removed from my home with him on two different occasions for a period of time until he and the woman that lived with him completed parenting classes. Wow. I just, yeah. I,
0: it's like hard to even wrap my brain around you knowing, like right. coming to learn that information when you were older. Like, that's just heartbreaking that your little self (laughs) lived that experience, but I I can only imagine also what it's like to learn that years later. So growing up, you experienced foster care, adoption, and then eventually in later years, reunion with your birth family. Can you tell us first what those younger years were like for you and what your living situation was?
1: So I continued to live with him. The man listed on my birth certificate as my father. And um, I continued to live with him. And then he ended up getting married. So I lived with him and my stepmother until I was 12 years old. So during those years, we moved every couple of years. Um, There were certainly good days. There was happy moments such as birthday parties and good typical childhood things. But more often than not, I remember feeling lost, scared, and unsure of who really cared about me. Um, At seven years old, I learned that my biological mother had abandoned me, and for the years before that, I was conditioned to believe that my stepmother was my biological mother, Um, and I longed deeply for my biological mother. I wondered what she looked like, and I wondered where she was, and if I'd ever see her. Um, The man that I called father, whom I absolutely thought was my biological father at that time, he struggled with substance abuse. And when I was nine years old, um, he began sexually abusing me. Uh, I told my stepmother, but it didn't help. And this lasted until I was 12 years old and told uh, the school counselor. So at that time, I was put into foster care.
0: The school counselor was able to intervene and get you into the foster care. And then were you in foster care all throughout your teenage years? Like what was your teenage life like?
1: So pretty much, yeah, pretty much I was in foster care the rest of my teenage years. Um, so um, DHS ultimately wanted to keep me with people that I was familiar with. So I was placed in what they call kinship care. I was placed with my uh, birth certificate father's brother. So that that was like my uncle at the time. And during while I was living with him, I immediately wanted to try to find my biological mother. And I did. Uh, she was living a few states away. So at 13 years old, I met her for the first time uh, one evening. Uh, And then the next day, I met her in court so that she could get custody of me. Um, And then uh, bright and early the next morning, I went to go live with her and her husband and my four other siblings. After six weeks, I needed to return to testify in the trial against my birth certificate father for the crimes that he committed against me. Um, I flew on a plane by myself to stay with grandparents during the trial. Uh, The day after I got back, my mother called to tell me that she didn't want me to come back to live with her. I had no idea where I was going to live next. So there was talk about like a girl's group home uh, before an aunt stepped in and took me. And I lived with her for two years. And then I lived with a single foster mom for one year. And then the next foster family I lived with, I asked them to adopt me and I was adopted five months before I turned 18.
0: Wow. This is just like <laughs> so heartbreaking to me that you had to go through all of that. And, and just, I can't even imagine. So that, that last family that you ultimately landed with, did that feel like a safe place to you? Like that's why you asked them to adopt you and, and yeah. you felt comfortable there.
1: Yes. Like it was within like three weeks of me living with them that um, I asked them to adopt me. I mean, I, I was really starting to get afraid. Like I knew I was going to age out of the foster care system. And then I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to be homeless? Um, I mean, it was just really scary. So, yeah, I wanted to ensure that I had a forever family.
0: It's wonderful that you found them and are they still a part of your life today?
1: Yes, a big part of my life. Yes, I just saw them this morning. Oh, that's wonderful (laughs) I'm so happy
0: to hear that I think it's so incredibly brave that you've not only endured and survived this type of abusive life But then you've gone on to bravely share your story as well So you wrote a book titled set free. Can you tell us what that title means for you and what led you to write this book?
1: Sure so When I was 15 years old, I had a friend that encouraged me to look to Jesus for hope. Um, I was at a point where I didn't have any hope for my future. Um, I had no idea who was going to stay in my life to support me. And at that time, I made a decision to commit my life to Christ. There were doors that opened for me that showed me the way to having a bright hope for my future. And I'd like to read a little excerpt from my memoir that explains the title of my book perfectly. So it says, um, I am free from poor protection and neglect. I am free from all the secrets and lies. I am free to choose who sits at my table and how big my table is. I am free to choose a different path than the one that my mother set me on. I am free to pick up all the lessons and the good things I learned from each and every person I have crossed paths with, but also free to leave behind the brokenness. Because I serve a God of mercy, a God of second chances and a God of hope and love. I am set free. So this
0: book is really an offering of hope for trauma survivors. Can you tell us more about, you know, how this book is, is that type of offering and what you intend for
1: it? So um, my first step in this was to share my story in a public way. Um, And I hope that it does bring hope and healing to others because I just, I want others to know that they're not, they're not alone and um, I think that sometimes it helps to read other people's stories um, so that you know not only can we not feel alone, but we can see how did they navigate and what and it can inspire. And so hopefully you know it can show them you know what I did to help overcome you know a lot of my adversities. So the other part of this is uh, of me publishing my memoir is to be able to just talk with others um, that are currently struggling. So I love to mentor and I love to talk one-on-one with people and just help them navigate and process whatever it is that they're struggling with. So I also hope that other doors will be opened where I can advocate for other foster children and um, trauma survivors in other ways.
0: That's beautiful. And I think it's also really inspiring to even people who aren't Trauma survivors, just to see that what you were able to pull yourself through and how you were able to shift your whole perspective about the broken parts of your past and the painful moments in your life. The, you know, things that some of us could never even imagine. But I think it's so inspiring hearing all that you've been through and how you've shifted your perspective. It's wonderful that you're willing and so brave. To share your story, I, I'm really grateful to have you here. And I was wondering, you know, in your teens is when you found your foster family and you were adopted. And when did your husband come into the picture?
1: Okay, so when I was 17, and I was living with my, who's now my adopted family, um, they took me to a church gospel meeting. And that's, that's where I met him. And it wasn't too long after that, that, um, we saw each other again at another meeting and we started talking and we were just inseparable. So, um, he's like seven and a half years older than me. Um, that's cool. but, I mean, it just, we never really notice, um, until we start talking about like TV shows we watched when we were little. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we've been married for 18 years now. And, um, I'm very blessed to have somebody so supportive in my life.
0: That's wonderful. And I'm so happy that you found that happiness that you absolutely deserve. And now you have three children, right? Yes. And I'm wondering, has becoming a mother yourself helped in some way to heal the trauma from your past? And if so, how?
1: Uh, Being a mother is so challenging. Um, I would say that becoming a mother has pushed me to better myself and take the necessary steps to heal from my childhood trauma. Um, so that's ongoing in many ways. Um, but I'm always aware of trying to be the best that I can for them. And, um, that means I'm definitely not perfect. So that means that I am, you know, I try to be very honest with them and that means that I have to apologize a lot.
0: (laughs) You're not alone. I do a lot of that too. (laughs)
1: So yeah, I would I would say yeah, just having children, um, just pushed me to want to want to heal that much more.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And your your children are going to be so blessed for many reasons of you being their mother, but also because you really you're being open and honest. I think that that's that's the most beautiful gift you can give them is to show them that life can be painful, challenging, tricky, uh, but that mm-hmm. you can heal and you can move forward and that exactly. there's so much beauty to still be found despite yes. those type of challenges. I think it's awesome that they're going to have that example in you and yes, they're thanks. lucky to have you. Um, mm-hmm, I thanks. also read on your uh, Instagram that you and your husband have been hosting students in your home from all over the world for the past decade. Can you tell us more about that experience and what you've learned as a family through that?
1: Um, Wow. This aspect of our lives has been an adventure for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we have hosted 14 students over the past decade. Uh, We love, love learning about other cultures and showing our children one way that we can be hospitable to others. Um, this opportunity has also been a great way to teach our children that the world is bigger than our own backyard. Um, it's so neat to see and witness the things that we have in common with others and the things that are different from people halfway across the world. So um, it's it's really been an amazing experience.
0: That's so cool. And again, just what a great gift you're giving your kids to expose them to that from some, such a young yeah. age. So on this podcast, we speak often about compassion, and I think your story is truly an incredible example of self-compassion, self-love, and resilience. Can you tell us what compassion means to you personally?
1: Um, I think it kind of goes along with um, my idea of mentoring others. I think it, it really helps so much whenever we, we can find somebody that we can relate to on some things. Um, but it's not for me. It's not just about... Finding people to relate to, it's also about me helping them navigate and um, rise above, you know, wherever wherever they're at and the the traumas and the adversities that they're facing. So, however, I can do that to help them, whether it's just, you know, being a friend, just you know, listening, you know, offering my perspective if that's what they're wanting. Then, you know, um, that's that's what I'm interested in. So.
0: And how do you go about the mentoring? or Is there like a specific organization that you work with? How do you get matched up with people?
1: No, um, honestly, um, ever since I started sharing my story um, online, which was even before I published my book, then people just randomly will reach out. And um, it always kind of takes me by surprise because um, it's not something that I'm just like looking for. Um, but I mean, and sometimes it's like, at, you know, times that maybe like, I'm kind of like in the middle of doing something else, but then I'll get a message from somebody that's like, hey, I read a little bit of your story and, you know, this happened to me too. And right now, you know, I'm just, I mean, I, I've had multiple people that have reached out to me that have said, you know, they were suicidal, you know, and to me, like, that's, that's a stop everything. That's a stop everything moment and, um, you know, just listen to them and be a friend to them. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a big thing to think that somebody's coming to me and saying, help me, you know? So, um, but it, it certainly makes, you know, sharing my story worth it. You know, if you can impact somebody else's life and help them, help them, you know, carry on. So
0: absolutely. And I would imagine that that's that can be really overwhelming feeling like somebody that you don't even know is coming to you with such a heavy, yeah. heavy thing. I mean, but uh, I guess that also is kind of comes along with putting the story out there is that people is. feel I mean, safe I mean, and comfortable coming to you.
1: Exactly. And, it, and it's really my heart. It's something that that I want to do. I'm, I'm happy to to be there for for people. So.
0: Again, I can't believe that you have the capacity to do that after having lived your own traumatic situation. I, I really commend you for well, for having I mean, the heart to do that for other people also is really inspiring.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, one aspect of that is that it definitely, it means something to try to turn your pain into a purpose. And, you know, that in itself is healing for me.
0: So we talk a lot about community as well on this podcast, and I'm wondering if uh, you could speak to the fact of what it means for trauma survivors to feel like they're a part of a community or to have people, like you said, who are able, feel like they're able to reach out to you. How important do you think community is as you're healing from this type of trauma?
1: Um, Well, I definitely believe that people cannot heal alone. I mean, we, we are hardwired to be able to have relationships and that can be really challenging whenever you've had so much trauma in relationships, but then, um, you know, you have to figure out how to find healing in and other good relationships. So, and, and I think it can be a challenge too, for, for people that have been consistently around toxic people to, know what a good relationship is, um, and find that. But I, for me, like whenever I started sharing my story, um, online, particularly on my Instagram account, there definitely was a sense of community come around that. Um, and then, you know, I have community with my church and, um, and then, you know, with, with my family too. And I, I just can't imagine, not having that, that support. And sometimes it's not always because I just need to reach out and talk to somebody. It's just knowing that those people are there, you know, Um, and knowing that you have people around you that care. So I think, you know, if I can provide that um, for somebody else, then that's, then that would be a wonderful blessing too. I guess like one of the other like little aspects of that is uh, being an adoptee Uh, that's just kind of a whole different experience. And, you know, I wasn't adopted whenever I was a baby, but I essentially never lived with biological family. So, um, I only lived with my biological mother, you know, when I was an infant and then for six weeks as a teenager. So, um, I have that, you know, that same experience of not being raised in biological, um, with biological family members and, um, you know, there's, there's just trauma within that too, that I think is often unrecognized, um, in our society. And, um, so I did never have any adoptee friends until recently, whenever I started sharing my story. And now like I have a whole, um, a whole adoptee community. And then even like smaller than that, I have a little, um, we call it the, um, like an adoptee zoom group. And we chat with each other like twice a month. And, you know, it's just, a little bit of our like closer adopt adoptive friends so that we can like reach out if we need to, or share different things. You know, I mean, there's some of them are looking for biological family members right now and, or they're in the middle of reunions. And, um, you know, it just, it means something to be able to be part of a group that, you know, understands, you know, so, but then I think that also having relationships uh, with people that can't completely relate to you is really good too, because, you know, we, we need to see like, what is life like outside? What's life like for people that aren't adopted, you know, or that aren't trauma survivors? Or, I mean, now I will say that I believe that everybody experiences some sort of trauma. So, you know, but like, say like for people that, that can identify with you and then the relationships are equal as point, uh, as important for the people that really can't identify with you. I think is what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, that totally makes Whatever. sense. And I think it's great that you've been able to access all of that and incorporate it now into your life. And mm-hmm. then you speaking about it encourages other people who are, you know, have similar experiences. It encourages them to reach out and find that community for themselves too. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. I'm just so happy that you're here today. And again, I commend you so much for your bravery and. Your honesty and your book, I want to encourage everyone to go pick up a copy of your book. So can you tell us where we can purchase it? And also, how can we best follow along with you going forward?
1: Okay, so um, my book is on Amazon, under um, set free a childhood memoir. Um, And my name is Destiny McAllister, you want to look it up just by the author name there. Um, But I can also mail out copies. So you can just send me an email at destiny.setfree at gmail.com and I can mail you a copy that way too. And it's a signed copy. So Perfect.
0: that's even better. <laughs> and what is your Instagram handle? Just so I can make sure people can find you easily there too.
1: Okay. So it's destiny.set.free. Oh, and so if you're following along with me, um, I'm not super great about making regular posts. Um, it actually kind of stresses me out, so. Um, <laughs> I can totally
0: relate but, to
1: that. <laughs> but I love talking to people like in DMs, and so that's generally like if I have the extra time to do that, that's that's what I'm doing is just talking directly with people. So I would be happy to connect with anybody you know through my email or um, through my Instagram
0: account. That's great. So we'll encourage the listeners if anybody wants to reach out. Uh, you know, that they can DM you or they can email you if they'd like to have a conversation. That's great. Destiny, thank you so much for being here today. This was wonderful to hear your story, and I really
1: appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode
0: of Be The Good Podcast, please like, comment, and share. You can also head on over to com to access more episodes of Be The Good Podcast, as well as the True Being blog. And remember, we can all find our own way to be the good.